HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Coming this spring, we're working on something big for opening soon. Opening a restaurant can sometimes take months or even years. But this spring, you'll be able to hear it in just a few hours. So tune in as we follow one of Brooklyn's best and brightest young chefs and restaurateurs on their journey from start to open doors. It's the build. Subscribe to Opening Soon from Heritage Radio Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Most restaurateurs build their business with the hope of making it as long as today's guests. 13 strong years. But how do you know when it's time to rethink the space, the concept, or even the menu? And how do you do it in a way that can reinvigorate that energy while keeping your brand and your loyal customers? Excited to chat with our guests today. We have Thomas, who's the co-chef and CEO, and Ryan, who is the chef of Flower and Water Hospitality Group. Flower and Water closed earlier this year, or was it this year or was it last, or was it 2021? Uh, end of 2021. 2021. For the renovation. For the renovation, sorry. So correcting myself here. They closed in 2021, had a four month renovation, and then they continued to open new concepts along the way, including Penny Roma and Flower Plus Water Pizzeria, which is coming hopefully in the spring 2023. Um, we're excited to hear all about your restaurant group and what you guys have going on in San Francisco. So welcome to the show. Welcome. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So you're 13 years old and you have a beloved restaurant that has won accolades and has a super loyal clientele. And then you're like, let's just close and renovate for a few months. Tell us, tell us how that went down, what led to the decision and all those kind of good things. Yeah. Flower and Water is a very overrated Italian restaurant in the Mission District. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we went, uh, so now over 13 and almost 14 years ago, um, we opened on a shoestring budget. It was kind of, uh, it was in uh, 2009, which was an interesting time to, to raise funds and open a restaurant. Um, and I think there was a lot of benefits, a lot of things on our side uh, in doing so. But we opened for um, just over half a million dollars. Um, and we had no idea the kind of lightning in the bottle that flower and water was going to be um, right from the jump, right from, from day one. 
Um, and we constantly, you know, a, a restaurant is not a finished art project or a finished movie, right? You can create something and you can edit and edit and really think about it. And then when you release it to the public, it's, it's a finished work. It's like a restaurant to me is like a house of cards that you have to build every single day, you know, and there's so many different nuances to it. And, you know, to us and, and, and to me and Ryan, that evolution um, and, and constantly kind of pushing and striving um, to enhance what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is really, really important. Um, and that led us to gutting basically the entire restaurant um, and doing this whirlwind way of where we only have four months and we were already shut down for the pandemic and can we do it? And it evolved. We built this new, beautiful test kitchen attached to it. And, um, but yeah, no, it was about evolution. And I think more importantly, it was understanding um, what the core of flower and water was, right? And it wasn't just the paint on the walls and, and how the dining room felt. Um, it's more of a spirit and trying to like, as that spirit has evolved over 13 years to try to match our surroundings to that spirit. And then two, that all right now, majority of our restaurants are on one, uh, two city block. Right. They're all in one street on 20th and how Flower and Water and Penny Roma, Flower and Water Pasta Shop, Trick Dog Bar, how all these things kind of played um, in, into each other. And so, yeah, it was time to time to evolve. And, and it's a little scary to, you know, to to change something physically that has so much meaning to a lot of San Francisco diners and our, our team and ourselves. Uh, I think the the designer Oli Lumberg um, and Gavin, who took the project lead, did this amazing job of maintaining uh, an energy and a feel that Flower Water had since the beginning. Uh, a feel that I fell in love with there first as a diner, and then eventually as uh, as a chef. And diving into that and going for it was a hundred percent the right move because the space deserved it, the staff, the team deserved it, our regulars deserved uh, a little refresh for, for our little corner restaurant. We just sound like a couple of California hippies right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a labor of love. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think it's, you know, it, it takes a lot of like guts and like foresight to be like, I, I agree with you about like the house of cards analogy. I always say like businesses are built brick by brick and you're, they're just like always evolving. And I like, I say that, to, I say that internally to us at Tillip and I feel like, you know, things are stuck or we need to move. I'm like brick by brick, brick by brick. So I love that like house of cards analogy as well. Um, but I'm curious, like, so you mentioned it was half a million dollars to get the, you know, to build out the space in the, in the first round. You're obviously worried about losing revenue, closing during the renovation and what to do with your team. So how did you guys manage that? And how did you, you know, fund the renovations and all those kind of things? Well, well, we, when I say half a million dollars, that was in 2009. And, yeah. you know, I think, and that was literally buying a used stove at auction, um, uh, used furniture from a restaurant that had recently closed. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was budget for sure. Garage mentality. And scrapping, just scrappy, scrappy. Um, and so over the years, we evolved it. So like eight months into the restaurant, 
we really learned that uh, pasta, was, it evolved that pasta was truly like the heart of the menu in our fresh pasta program. And so like eight, nine months after we opened, we built a dough room behind the restaurant. And that was also that dough room that we produced all of our pastas throughout the day turned into a private um, kitchen table at nighttime. And then, you know, a year or two later, the kitchen downstairs, all that used equipment, we're like, we are blowing this out and redoing the kitchen. And so there was like stepping, you know, like stepping stone leading to it. Um, you know, myself and Ryan sitting in the restaurant, we're midway through the pandemic. Um, we like to, we talk, or at least I talked about it, like it was like a nightclub. Like you go into a nightclub during the day and you're like, holy shit, that's where I sat. <laughs> like, you know, when, I go, it's like when, the, when, when you can actually see everything. Fire and water, historically, our lights have always been a little too low, a ton of candles out, music, music playing a little too loud in the background. Um, after the pandemic, I, I think the space and, you know, us as operators, we were just tired. You know, um, and and the restaurant looked tired to us, and and um, you know we did all these like we myself and Ryan built a uh, the parklet outside Flower and Water, um, a strong <laughs> it's wind. a miracle that it stood yeah. up yeah, as long as it did this thing down, um, and uh, you know then it was like going to and honestly I forget half the timeline here, but that we. Then we were only allowed so much of foreign water is like the energy that's inside of it. And it's just, it, it is like rocking, right? Rock music playing in the background and it's jam packed and like that energy. We were allowed to put in like a certain capacity, like 25%, 25% capacity with like five foot spacing. So it led us to have five tables inside the restaurant. And we did that and it just never, it felt so wrong. And I think that was the jumping point and trying to like, instead of like defense and saying like, oh, we're just like reacting to everything and who knows what's going to happen. And everyone's just trying to figure it out. We're like, fuck it. We're, we're back on the offense. We're going to like push forward to this. We'll find the money to fund it. Um, and we are doing flower and water uh, justice and evolving. And I also think that there's like so many amazing institutions of restaurants and they get past that like 10 year mark or 15. Um, and they just start to, to rest on the laurels or just start to become a little bit more dated or whatever it is. And, and we never wanted fire and water to be that way and to do it justice. And so a couple months later, we're literally, there, like we went down to a shelf. There was no, there was no sheet rocks uh, uh, on the wall. Um, and, and with only a little bit of foresight, we uh, we made this what turned out to be a very smart decision. We opened up the Penny Roman Concept one block away. The the day that Flower and Water closed for renovation, and so to kind of spread the energy and uh, the feel of of flower and water to Pennyroma. We were able to bring that entire flower and water staff over, open a new concept while renovation happened. And then in February, 
half of that team went back, you know, quote unquote, home to Flower and Water. And so because of this, this fortunate timeline, we were able to kind of spread that energy between two businesses. And now Penny Roma has that same feel and uh, like comfort that Flower and Water did for the first 13 years. And tell us what, tell us what the concept is at Penny Roma for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar. So I think the easiest way to describe it is Penny Roma is classic Italian pastas and, and not like red sauce, Italian American, like classic pastas from the 20 regions. We, we don't bend it or put our interpretation on it. We're paying homage to, to hundreds and hundreds of years of pasta tradition in Italy at Penny Roma where flour and water, which naturally happened through the evolution and the, the life of the restaurant, it's a little bit more uh, experimental and creative and more of a chef's stamp on Italian cooking style, where Penny Roma is just classics. Like when, we, when we first opened flour and water, um, it was not common to have like the juxtaposition of a really, really casual atmosphere with a lot of refinement on the plate. And that's what Flour and Water was. Um, and I think you see it more and more. I think it's more common, too, in the Bay Area, just because it's, like, casual in nature. But, um, yeah, rock and roll in the background and, like, this really refinement of this, like, crudo on, on a plate. And I think over the course of the last, like, 12, 10 years, you see that more and more, which is uh, amazing, but it, it wasn't very common back then. Um, and the, uh, you know, removing white tablecloths and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so Flower and Water has always had that, that like our little stamp on something, our little creativeness. Um, and at Penny Roma, you know, we said this, and I, I think the pandemic influenced this, you know, it was like when things were starting to open back up and we're like, we just want to throw a dinner party. Like, how do we throw an Italian dinner party and keep the food simple, classic in, in a fun atmosphere? And it's like half the it's like very open. So half the dining room is in this like covered kind of courtyard area. And then the the, um, the inside is like massive open kitchen. And we just want to throw a dinner party there. Your point about, you know, how dining has changed 15 years ago, everything was white tablecloths and, you know, fine dining was composed plates. And then, you know, slowly over time it's evolved. So I'm curious, you know, you guys now have 13 years of experience at flour and water and how did that inform how you renovated the restaurant and, you know, how you like, how did dining trends and how you see diners interact with the space inform form 2.0. So maybe this sounds like a little convoluted, but we, with Penny Roma, the idea was super casual, like you're going to your friend's uh, house for a dinner party. And that, that impacted how we designed it. Like I wanted a bunch of different rugs on the ground and like, you know, just, just looking like, like someone's cool. Penny Roma's like cool home, right? With flour and water, what, you know, I think over time, any restaurant, you're the guest help evolve the concept you know or they let's say they influence the concept right and what happened over time is that flour and waters guests were using it more and more as a special occasion restaurant 
And I think that that honestly, just because the the reservations are so hard to get, that that helped it, or that, that helped it, that that like helped evolve it in that direction. And even we saw through the pandemic when we were doing like food food to go, people were still treating flour and water as the special occasion. And so we said, okay, to to be clear on what we want twentieth Street to be and how it has like synergy between these spaces, Pennyroma is the everyday casual and flour and water is the special occasion. That's how people are using it. And maybe that's through the refinement of food or reservations are hard. And um, the dining room did not look like a special occasion space, you know? And, um, and so we wanted that same refinement in design. And Oli Lumberg, like, we interviewed all these designers, right? And I keep saying, like, a bunch of people that showed up in turtlenecks and wanted to tell us how cool they are or they wanted to, like, just talk about colors or, or design. Lundberg shows up, and he just wants to talk about our food and, like, the process. And he wanted to, like, understand, like, where myself and Ryan's heads were at and... and um so there's a refinement in the design, but it's in, it's all about like the materials, textures of materials, and their their approach is always this like simplistic modern one, um, and I just think they they nailed it, you know. And then there's also like from yeah. from a, from an operator standpoint, you know, we always want to balance you know form and function, right? And so like. We're, we're evolving the form, but hey, we're, we're 13 years old. How do we evolve function as well? So like one of them, we had this, this like it, it, flower and water is super, super tiny, right? Barely fits 50 seats inside of it. It's crammed. Um, and we had this like server station that had this beautiful old Italian uh, espresso machine. And we're sitting in the, in the dining room. I'm like, why? We have such a tiny restaurant why do we have an espresso machine in the middle of it? I'm like, we probably sell like 12 espressos a night, right? So it's not why our guests are, are they're not, our guests are not coming here. Maybe it's a nice bonus at the end of a meal, but no one's like, we're not a coffee place. Like, why is that there? You know, and just keep asking those questions. Why, why do we put that there? And so we ripped out that whole station and built this like really cool garbage station in the middle of the dining room. So like function and form, like both of those evolved in the space. Tell us about how you're the, the guests influence the menu and how they use the space. Did you have any guests that were hesitant about, you know, so, change? And so, so many people ask, like, why? Why are you renovating? Right. And there is like this, um, like Ryan said, there, there, people have a connection with the space, right? And um, there, there was a feeling, talk about like California hippie, there was a feeling of warmth in the space because the lights were so low and there's a shitload of candles everywhere. Um, and, and so many people questioned why. And I think why Lundberg nailed it was those same people didn't continue to question after it was done. They were like, oh yeah, it just made sense. You know, um, and so there was there. I think there there was pushback pre, 
remodel and then post remodel, everyone's like, yeah, all this makes sense. Nobody likes change into like, okay, fine, this change was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah exactly. Myself as well, myself as well. No, it's, it's a brave thing to do for sure. Cause like you said, it's like you get to that 10 year hump and you're like, cool, I survived 10 years. I'm just going to keep doing what we're doing. So it's definitely, you know, like a, a brave move to, to cast it aside and keep evolving. Yeah. And, and we want to be around for 10 more years, you know, so to, to build a space that can functionally keep up with the, the wear and tear that a busy restaurant is, uh, you know, it's, it's also not, a redesign for the present is a redesign for our future. Mm-hmm. And even with Penny Rama, I mean, we, we, like, we just, the pandemic, I hate, we need to evolve. We need to stop talking about the pandemic, but it allowed us to like stop. We went from 250 employees to five partners. Um, and it allowed us to stop and put together for the first time, a clear roadmap on how we want to show up as a company um, and even Penny Roma, like Central Kitchen could have reopened and it would have been totally fine. Um, but yeah, having like, it was just, it was a brave move for us to say, no, no, no. If we see this space, this is what we think it can be in the future. And then all of a sudden Penny Roma is like this, like raging, raging success. Um, and so I think that again, like how 20th Street plays a role as a whole is, is really important to the evolution. And I think the first domino to fall was, uh, you know, beginning of the pandemic, uh, shelter in place. We, we changed the corner of, uh, Penny Roma's building. Cause it's like this complex has different businesses and within it, we have to, uh, the corner spot, we turned into farm water pasta shop, which basically allowed us to put farm water pasta, in people's homes and still feed feed people which is what we do and the success of that really allowed us to lean into what we're passionate about and uh, i'll just speak for tom what we're good at uh which is pasta and then the natural evolution from farm water pasta shop and the to-go program there to having penny roma be this like mecca for classic italian pastas uh for, for us, it really rounded out the hospitality experience that is 20th Street in San Francisco. Um, and we talked a lot about evolution so far. And tell us what's the next evolution of the brand. So there's like two, two growth pillars for us. We're moving the location of Flower and Water Pizzeria to its like new flagship location. And that's in a uh, um, celebrated, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Rose Pistola, um, uh, but well, it was a, a restaurant in North Beach, uh, right, uh, like half a block from Washington Square Park um, in the like late 90s, like insanely celebrated restaurant, James Beard Awards and like such an iconic, iconic location. Since then, they, they closed down and we're moving Flower and Water Pizzeria that opened a couple of years ago to that location. Um, and it's, it's massive. Like the center, the center of the space actually has two entrances. The center of the space is going to have a um, huge glassed in dough room where we're producing uh, all, all of our doughs. 
and then it'll have like a, a one side will be like more of a traditional restaurant, 85 seat restaurant. Um, and the back entrance is the home of all of our to go operation, which plays like it's always played a huge role in the, the pizzeria side. That flour and water OG, we don't do any food to go because it doesn't travel well. And the pizzeria, we like re-engineered the the dough to to be able to travel, and so um, we're working on like kind of like more of a like typical pizzeria parlor on the back that um, hopefully has like a heavy volume of to go, um, and that will that glass and dough room will act as a commissary to feed. Um, two other San Francisco to-go only locations. Um, and the, the idea is that, you know, we want to, um, we, we want to be able to grow and grow that concept uh, and bring it to, to other, other areas and cities. And then the, the second growth pillar is Fire and Water Foods, where we're kind of getting into the the CPG game, and uh, we're really fortunate to to be able to be able to launch um, flour and water uh, pasta. So it's going to be a line of dried pasta, um, and evolve from there. Which all of this, like w w one thing that we really want to make sure that we talk about is um, kind of our core beliefs around regenerative agriculture and and the reach of the restaurants you know although our restaurants are busy they only see a couple of hundred people a night right and and you know the conversation of like how wheat is grown in north america we can't really be a part of um because our volume isn't that great we can't like stand up with the big boys and and, and we want to we want to like really uh be a part of regenerative agriculture and ever since like eight years ago we were uh one of the first restaurants to work with zero food print so one one percent of all of our sales in the restaurant goes to uh zero food print which puts that money uh and sole purpose into regenerative agriculture when we launched launched the line of uh, dried pastas, same thing. One percent of sales will go to <clears throat> regenerative agriculture, and the idea the idea is the um, um, that uh, as we grow that line of business, we can really be a part of the conversation of of wheat and how it's grown and all that good stuff. All that good stuff feeding more people's bellies. Yeah. How are you guys funding this? How are you funding the two different lines of business? Are you getting investors? Are you reinvesting from? So, so super current? interesting. All, all, all of our, as we like kind of came up with these growth pillars, um, all of our restaurants before were LLCs. And um, uh, the only unique one was which, what, what is now Penny Roma, Fine Water Pasta Shop, and Trick Dog, those those three little restaurants are in the same um, building, and um, those were one investment. But all that, all the restaurants were were one off investments. Flower and Water had its own investors. Flower and Water Pizzeria had its own investors. Um, so the idea is that we are transitioning into a B Corp, 
And until it, that's like a massive, massive undertaking. So we just transitioned into a C corp to then go to a B corp. And so we are one company now. So we folded everything together and, um, we just and literally, literally this morning just finished or tapped out a raise for all the future growth, which is a really interesting concept for us because it, it, it's different. Like everything needs everything, right? Um, and, and with these two with these two growth pillars, it's looking at like the synergy between them and growing CPG consumer packaged goods as well as pizzerias side by side. And even with like brand recognition, what that means for expansion, uh, capital raises, th things like that. Amazing, raising money in this, um, in this time frame is not easy. So congratulations, Congrats, yeah. yeah, we know, we know. Um, but yeah, that's no easy feat. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We're going to do um, our order fire, which is where we give you 10 questions. Ideally, 10 minutes of quick answers. Um, Oh, I'm nervous. Oh, no. Yeah. no, nothing. It's, it's, nobody, there's no, no gotchas. Nobody will be crying at the end of this. A 10 minute drill. Here we go. 10 minute drill. <laughs> um, and these can pertain to the revamped flour and water. So, what's the uh, favorite menu item? And you guys can both answer. Uh, my, I'll, I'll go first. My favorite menu item uh, it was actually born out of us chefs snacking in flour and water. Uh, we do an ant posse or a, a starter that is today's ricotta. And the way this was born was uh, almost every single day in the restaurant, we make fresh ricotta for, you know, pasta fillings, pizza toppers, whatever it might be. And us chefs would snack on the fresh delivered bread with the ricotta that was at room temperature, draining, had never hit refrigeration. And we we're all so in love with it that when we reopened Flour and Water, we said, we're going to do today's ricotta. We're going to make small batch every single day. It's not going to hit refrigeration. It's going to be this experience that we've all fell in love with. And so today's ricotta, by far my favorite antipasti at Farm Water. And by the way, it's like nor oftentimes the favorite menu item is usually something that came from family meal. I love that. Yeah. Our family meals are good. They could be a menu item, but. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Thomas, favorite menu item? Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, weasel my way out by saying that when we first opened Final Water, <laughs> I was like, "There's never ever going to be a set menu item. Like we're always gonna we're always gonna just like cook from the farms." Um, so my favorite menu item is whatever brand new pasta is on the menu. Okay. Okay. Cop out right now. Um, that is a good <laughs> cop out. <laughs> How about most ordered menu item? Telegio Scarpanoch. Uh, uh, or as, uh, as our guests like to call it, the balsamic pasta. The balsamic pasta. I mean... Uh, Tom is right. We tried very, very hard for the history of farm water not to have signature menu items in general. But there is a pasta that Tom came up with, which is a telegio filled, uh, like shoe shaped ravioli. And very simple pasta water, butter emulsion, finished with parm and aged balsamic. And whenever it came off the menu, it was the most requested thing, like, hey, where's the balsamic pasta? And so when we reopened, we said, you know what? Give the people what they want. This is this is <laughs> why we exist in restaurants, hospitality. And so the Telegio Scarpinoch has become a, a, a staple that's always on the menu. And it's I, still to this day, like, I'll eat two a night and get my fix, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. it's a stark reminder that we work for the people. We work for the yeah. diners, right? Sometimes um, chefs need to be reminded of this. <laughs> we don't we, we don't cook for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Tell us something. Um, tell us, sorry, your best food cost item. Well, pasta and pizza. <laughs> pasta and pizza, nailed yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like honestly, we'll we'll, we'll um, flour and water is like a like a chef's dream to manage food costs. And, and I, like beautiful giant 600 pound bitalones, any pig that we want, whole rabbits, things like that, because we utilize them in a way, you know. And if you have braised rabbit on the menu, um, you know, we're serving it with a pappardelle. It's like you're taking two to three ounces of, uh, of meat and making a, a seven ounce portion of, of finished plate. So, uh, food costs is quite easy to manage at Flower and Water. I don't know. Should I say that out? Is that is that? <laughs> no, I think that's not a the secrets out. <laughs> <laughs> the secrets out. No, so so our partner David Steele, who I uh, first met, um, he came up with the name Flower and Water, and I hated it. I was like, no way, it's terrible. And he's like, it's you know, pe- people will never forget it. It's like, it's super memorable. And he's like, in his East Coast accent, he's like, Tom, Tom, listen, we're not selling them lobster and caviar. We're selling them flour and water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to call it what it is. Yeah. Keep it simple. Um, tell us something you're doing, and you talked about this a little bit, to make your business more sustainable. Oh, I think, uh, well... I think sustainability, when you talk about restaurants, always focuses on on food and the farmer. And uh, we, we do support that, as Tom mentioned. Regenerative agriculture is very, very important to us. But for us, sustainability has so much more to do with the human beings involved in restaurants and taking care of our teams through defined cultural values that 
that really cherish the human being and um, doing DEI work with a, a group within the restaurant that meets monthly and really taking care of, of people for us is the most important step towards sustainability. And it's something that's so often overlooked in restaurants where you're just a, you're just a bot, you're a part of the machine. And it's just not true. Like taking care of the people that make farm water and penny Rama farm water pasta shop and farm water pizzeria, what they are is so important. Yeah. I just, I'll evolve that and totally agree and evolve that, that, you know, mentorship is incredibly important to us and mo from a kitchen side, certainly, and from all sides of the restaurant, but from a kitchen side, like the cooks that come and work for us aren't looking for a paycheck. They're looking to learn. And, and that's how we really attract talent that we really truly want to mentor and teach. Um, and I think that, that that creates a really sustainable atmosphere in the kitchen. That's a good thing. I mean, you want people to have, you know, multiple sources of inspiration when they work for you. Um, so I guess this sort of leads into that too. How do you hire and retain great employees? When, when uh, I was like six or seven years ago, maybe six years ago, um, Brian kind of alluded to it. We created a culture book. And we picked like the pillars and, and we had all the staff um, a part of the process. Like we didn't like dictate this. Um, and we created this culture book. And at the time I'm like, how does this feel too corporate? And like, um, but it was amazing to see how like all the staff embraced it. And we actually revised the entire thing. And we're basically coming out with like a second edition of it. And, you know, we want that culture book to influence um, how we hire, uh, how we fire, <laughs> how we, how we, you know, do everything in between. And, um, you know, myself and Ryan always say like, well, we do not hire to just fill a schedule and we'd much rather just figure it out. Like, like, and not allowing us to like falter on, uh, who we're looking for. And that really just comes down to attitude and like, you know, we'd much rather hire, uh, attitude versus skill set yeah people that are passionate about hospitality and food are so easy to coach that we preference personality and drive and and that passion over skill set because you know we have a lot of talented chefs on on 20th street in our team that can train and coach and and create great cooks and servers and uh, whatever position it might be, but having that core passion is really, uh, really what, what sustains us and what keeps, keeps people on our team for a long time. And with, uh, with the expansion, that's also a, a motivator, you know, there's only so many sous chef or management positions within the restaurants of Penny Rama and Flower and Water. So to create more opportunity to keep people around longer, expanding with the pizzeria concept is, a uh, another i guess like technique or tool we have to to grow the the individuals for sure tell us about the worst building or rebuilding i guess uh moment in your reno 
Oh man. <laughs> well, just one. Just one. I got one that comes to mind. Everyone was like, it's a terrible idea to remodel during a pandemic. And we're like, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. And all of a sudden it was a fucking terrible idea to remodel during a pandemic. Um, you just have to be nimble, but you know, like even from like a design aspect of saying like, man, just like a product or a type of metal or whatever it is. And it's this amazing idea. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, they're like, yeah, we can get that in like eight months. Um, or it's like, I don't know, it's coming up, it's coming up. Um, and so, man, yeah, there, there, was a, there, was, there was a lot of twists and turns. It's basically just the pandemic remodeling, which sounds very stressful. And yeah. Yeah, the supply, the supply chain shortage is real. We know. Oh, we know. Um, as a manufacturing business, we know. I mean, our, uh, the line of pasta was supposed to come out um, three months ago. And the only thing that held it up is because we couldn't purchase the cardboard. It was like impossible, you know, to, to source the cardboard to make the boxes for the pasta. And like, we finally, finally worked it, worked it out and worked through it, but. You're like, it's just the last step. It's always the last 10% yeah. that take 90% of the time. Yeah. Um, what about best business resource or advice? Uh, looking outside the industry, I think. Uh, I think that people become, and I don't care what industry you're in, like that tunnel vision of like, this is how it's done. Um, uh, we put together like probably way too advanced for, for a small company like this, but we put together an amazing board of directors. Um, and, you know, none of those people are coming from restaurants and their, their network of people um, so I, I always say like seeking advice outside of your industry, is very, very important. That makes a lot of sense. We always finish up with, um, what is your why? So why did you choose to open a restaurant? Taking care of people and feeding them. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it, it's the reason we, we are in restaurants. It's, uh, very like soul satisfying to, to influence someone's someone's day by feeding them and that's a big reason why we started the conversation of doing dry packaged pastas you know tom alluded to this earlier you know in the restaurants we can feed a couple hundred people every night but if we can expand that and feed people in their homes we're we're enhancing their day through food pretty true um any opening scenes all right Thank you guys. Uh, let, let us know where our listeners and uh, such can find you on social and online. Ooh, well, online. So, um, uh, Flower and Water Hospitality Group is the restaurant. If you just or the, the the restaurant group, if you Google that, that'll that'll feed you to um, to all all things digital presence. And when can folks expect to get a get some of the dry packaged pasta? Um, so it is um, the third week of October. The third week of October, and they purchase online or in stores. Uh, 
So, um, well, it, it'll be direct to consumer right from the right from the jump. Um, we're doing a release in 51 Whole Foods, um, just to start, just to start, and that's kind of like more of a beta test. And then we'll grow, um, we'll, we'll grow from there. So, you know, the idea is that it's a, it's a, it's distributed nationwide. Um, until we get into those grocery stores, you can, um, you can order it online direct to consumer. And we did this whole, like the, the test kitchen I'm sitting in, part of the reason why we built it is to have a huge digital presence for the dried pasta. So like all of our, like, we have like a ton of like cooking videos and how to's and, and all that. So like from super, super easy, simple, to if you want to geek out and make things a little bit more complicated, um, all that will, will be available online. Awesome. All right. Checking out the website and watching the Instagram how to's videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Call them reels these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Allie, you want to wrap this up? Sure. Um, and you can find us at Tillot NYC and at We Are Opening Soon. That's all for today. Thank you guys yeah, so thank much. You guys we so really much appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.